Welcome to Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. <laughs> Reed. <laughs> Reed had a chicken sandwich and some fries, and he was uh, give, doing his standard throat clearing, which used to happen towards like five o'clock. That's when I knew we needed to shut the day down. Now you're getting it at like one thirty in the afternoon. So <laughs> I don't know what that's what that says, but yeah, it's disturbing. Like I said, I think some of this is hereditary, some of this is Colorado, some of this is aging, and then also my choice in lunches yeah yeah but well, hopefully i'll get through the uh, podcast without uh, any interruptions nicole packed my lunch today so i that's why i didn't go with you and immediately it wasn't off to a good start because uh yeah. i go to get get the tupperware and my sister gave us a great like i guess pyrex when we got married but um the top had popped off one of them and so there was just chili spilled oh, all through God. the bag and i was like this, and I, of course, I'm looking for any excuse not to have to bring lunch. And right. so it's like, of course, right. never again. Right. Not, not once. I'm done. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Back to chop house. Yeah, exactly. So I went as far as actually ordering a custom lunchbox with Digible's logo on it, and it still hasn't made its way into the office. Wow. That was me like trying to get as far as I could mentally to that point where it's wow. like, I'm going to start bringing my lunch. But yeah. Yeah, still sitting by my printer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't <laughs> wait day. to see this yeah. lunchbox. Yep, a tuna fish sandwich will come in. Yeah. It. Yep. Yeah, it's just not enough food. You saw me. I had a peanut butter sandwich on the way in. Then I, I had it during our first <laughs> meeting. So I had a second one. And then I had this. Obviously, I'm worried about you yeah. Know, yeah. lack of food. Um, all right. So today, we're doing our predictions episode. Uh, so 2022 predictions. And I thought it'd also be good now for us to review our 2020 predictions, at least what we had in our notes, because... Of course, you and I never listen to the podcast, so we don't know what we really said, but I have notes from last year to say what we were predicting. So, um, well, do I, yeah. Do I even want to hear this? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a couple of highlights here. So one, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, you were right about this. You said you didn't expect any major mergers uh, with any of the ILSs, any major ones, but you did predict that Appfolio would end up acquiring someone. Um all right. I haven't heard any, any major acquisition. I'm not, I mean, they have acquired a number of companies before, so they may have made a small one, but nothing that hit my radar. Yeah. Yep. The major acquisition was more in our world uh, with G5. So mm-hmm. that was fascinating. Obviously, we had a podcast about that, but neither of us predicted that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the what I got wrong on this one is I thought one of the self-guided tour companies would be acquired. It mm-hmm. still seems like, to me, like, I don't know why they haven't been because it's still early stage enough that you're, you know, that self-guided tours are here to stay. So why wait to get for them to get more traction, get more mature if you're one of the major PMS systems? Well, I don't think it's for a lack of, you know, attempts, you know, mm-hmm. not to speak, you know, I'll just keep this, but I know for a fact that a lot of offers have been made. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in a way, you know, very different, I'll say trajectory and obviously like space than us, um, but we've been approached many times and just said, didn't make sense, not the right time. Some of that was for us personally. Some of that's also financially, though. So if you are a self-guided tour company right now, don't you want to mature, you know, unless you're like tertiary, like number four or five. Like, but if you're in that top two or three, then I'd keep going a little bit, try and get my valuation up as much as possible. Yeah. Because to your point, they, they would want to scoop them up now, right? Not mm-hmm. have to pay as much. If you're yeah. the founders, you know, you want to. You'll have to, they would have to pay a higher multiple today, but if it's, if you're paying a hundred million today versus 300 million tomorrow, right. you'd rather overpay now than later. Right. Uh, and then 
for the founders, it's like, can you make it attractive enough where it's like, you don't have to do another five years of this. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, right. Just let go now. Um, yeah. Now here's one I did get right is I said one of the top 10 agencies would get purchased. So. Oh, you did. Uh, mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. nice. I said uh, all, you know, all these large tech players are trying to make a land grab. So that would be how I would do it. Well done. Um, I didn't think G5 though. I didn't, again, I didn't listen to the, to the audio, but I, I thought G5 was going to be outpriced. Like mm -hmm. it was just, they'd raise too much money. It was going to be too expensive. Um, all right. Then as far as new uh, entrants into the market, um, I thought that there was going to be like a lot of, a lot done with commercial real estate. So with the pandemic and commercial real estate really hurting, I just thought more of that was going to turn into uh, rental units or some big player was going to scoop it, uh, scoop it up for the cheap. And that, as far as I know, hasn't, hasn't happened. So I definitely missed on that one. And then I think you had something here around, um, it's a good swing though. What do you mean? No, oh, a good, oh, good effort. Good effort. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I still think it could happen. Although I think I remember this when you did your predict predictions, they thought they were way more sophisticated than mine. <laughs> Big shocker. <laughs> maybe because I actually had a notes document for once. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, although with commercial real estate, even the folks that own our building are still looking to sell and you would think that the price would have come down, but the price from what they were asking pre pandemic to now still hasn't come down. It's kind of stayed the same. Mm. Um, so who knows, maybe commercial hasn't, hasn't hit bottom yet, or they're just really expecting it to date. I guess if the entire market refuses to like accept in the new norm, then prices are going to stay the same. But once it's like, it's like uh, these meme stocks, it's like once some big player decides to sell off GameStop or whatever, it's like right. everyone else is at risk. <laughs> totally. Um, you did make a prediction about the ILSs. Uh, you, you said that more of them would move into paid search and social at the time. Ritpath was offering free services um, and that you thought that they may be starting to integrate more of their data to make their uh, make those offerings more attractive. I think I got that right. I don't know how well I can prove that, but I know that even Apartments.com has gotten more aggressive, and NAA I, uh, stopped in and, and heard them really pushing their organic social, mm -hmm. um, which you know I, I don't remember if they are also including paid, but I think you know you, you we're definitely seeing that. I don't know about apartment list and some of the others but rent path kind of started it and it seems like co-stars now uh getting getting more serious. Yeah. I um I think you I would say that they haven't moved away from it. So it wasn't a flash in the pan and then you see uh folks like uh uh Yardy even making bigger pushes into uh both ILS and agency services with their what are they calling the new um um their new agency? It's not like rent cafe but it's like uh, Oh, uh the one with the like multicolor. Yeah. It 3D. looks like a rebrand of reach local. It's, it, it is reach. It's reach. <laughs> reach. Yeah. 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 I think well, it's just reach. Well, no wonder I even think it's reach local. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they've gone even heavier in that direction. Um, but um, anyway, so we thought they'd expand. And then what else did you have here? You said that SEO and paid search will continue to gain ground in 2020. What do you think about that one? I mean, we could only speak for ourselves and we did see growth in both those areas. Um, you know, I, I have to check in with Ryan, I guess, to proportionally like size that, but definitely seems like search has, has not lost any, any ground, but I think most important call out there is the SEO has definitely like gained more and more momentum and culminating somewhat in what we heard just recently at AIM uh, about how important marketers uh, are seeing GMB, you know, just that real estate now and that falls mm -hmm. really under the umbrella of SEO. So I think that trend's going to continue next year. I'm with you. I don't know if there's more being spent in paid search because in particular last year or 20 in through 21, there was, it seemed like um, 
again, across our portfolio, it seemed like there was more, like folks were more leased up and didn't struggle as much to lease up as they did before. So they didn't put as much in the paid search respectively. But in SEO, it seemed like more people were taking the time to get that short up. And then the different conferences we went to SEO was just more of a focus than it had been in prior years. So yeah. And I still feel like we heard a few times this year from large companies that they were looking to develop more of a regional strategy, um, which is with not entirely the, the intent of moving off of ILSs, but that's one of the expectations I think that operators are having if they're going to support that. You know, so that's one more indicator that if they do that, I think you'll see that money, if it stays, move to search more than, you know, any other product. So I do think search will get some benefit if some of these bigger shops say, we're done with ILSs, we're going to mm-hmm. start doing our own regional sites, you know, a la a gray star. That was one one qualification about the ILSs is, is that if they are too good at these other paid media channels, they're really going to cannibalize their current cash cow. Right. And then it's really going to come down to attribution. And as far as attribution, I had said that there's going to be more, um, I guess, like turmoil with like the cookie situation and, um, you know, GDPR and all of these things. And I haven't felt that as much as I expected I would feel it. And then the changes that Google put into attribution it doesn't seem like it's really had an impact or a measurable impact in this industry. And so I had said, like, at this point, are we going to finally give up on attribution or are we still going to hear startups talk about it? And of course, like at the conferences, we still have heard a number of folks talking, uh, continue to talk about attribution. So, um, you know, it's just kind of more of the same, which moving into my prediction for next year is like same old, same old. And I know I said that in the prior episode where I was like, depressing thing about this industry is that it stands still. <laughs> and I feel like it's going to feel more like more of the same, more of the standstill next year. I don't think any, any revelation is going to happen with attribution, but I don't think they'll let it go just how I don't think like AI is going to be let go. Um, so I guess moving a little bit into that prediction early for next year, I think AI is going to continue to be this major like marketing trick. Um, although I feel like a lot of customers are starting to catch on to that where people just throw AI and expect you to, to get it. But, in other ways, the success of things like me at Elise have actually proven that AI can help this industry. And so in some ways, because there's been some success, it will lead to more customers, I guess, not where they should be more discerning, I guess, about when someone says AI, the, uh, because they've seen some success, they're busy, they may not want to research and they may just be like, oh, yeah, of course, AI. So I guess I'm just saying AI is like the term is going to stick around and continue to kind of be nauseating. Just like contribution has been nauseating. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that AI is going to lose its luster and not, not its, uh, but not its impact. If that, if that's okay to put it that way. Meaning, I think legitimately, as we all can know and expect, AI is going to be powering more and more technology, um, in all sorts of different segments, um, even under just the marketing roof. But uh, I don't think people are going to care so much whether it's, you know, legit AI, what type of AI it is. I think now people are like, yeah, you can say AI all you want. All I care about are two things. How does it perform and how much does it cost? And that's where things obviously will take shape as far as the winners and the losers. But, you know, the I guess the the value of AI and marketing to me is is not going to be what it was in the last few years. Yeah, I'd say the problem with that on the test, everybody wants to see a, a, a test case, but I think uh, customers in this industry have also just um, 
started to give up on test cases because of the problems with system integrations. Just like not, the systems don't talk well together, so they don't have real clean data to run a real effective test. So I think it's kind of like they do as much of a test as they need to get their agenda pushed through. And as long as they can make the narrative, to use your word from earlier today, as long as the narrative sounds good enough, they'll push it through because they'll just say like, well, we don't have the complete accurate data, but it seems like it's it makes logical sense that you know, if we include this chatbot on the website, that's going to reduce the, uh, or it's going to improve conversions. So I think um, with that, like as long as the uh, the vendors have a good enough story to tell, no one's going to really be able to prove or disprove that the AI is working or not working. And so then the early doctors will pick it up. Yeah. Agreed. You, uh, you made a, a um, you said what people should do. You didn't say people would do this, but you said there should be more co-op email campaigns. Yeah, well, funny enough, been talking about that the last few weeks here at Digital, but just um, pairing up more is a super common outside of real estate and certainly multifamily um, where businesses or verticals will team up to to fund um, you know advertising campaigns. And email is a very common one. And for those that aren't familiar with it, just think automotive um, and I'll use tires. So a... Uh, you know, Mazda chain or whatever is um, pairing up and making sure Michelin tires are all in their ads. And that allows them then to do a lot more advertising than they typically would as long as they're helping promote Mazda in their ads. And so with things like whether it's Peloton or some of the new technology like self-guided tours, it just seems like there's a lot of different brands that could team up together uh, to produce, um, you know, and some, some of these co-op campaigns. So it's something that we're going to try to help, I think, lead, um, start introducing that to some of our clients and see if we can get uh, some traction with it. But yeah, I think it's a smart tactic to, to find more marketing dollars. Yeah, uh, you could see this a lot with, if you know someone's not going to renew their lease or if you think they have like a low renewal score, then you could start cross-selling. So we don't see a ton of cross-selling on the front end of a lead coming into a management company, but we sure as heck don't see it on the back end. Right. It, like after year one, when the renewal, you can't see, quite get that person to sign on the line. You know, they're looking around at that point. It'd be great to, you know, if you could get a sit down with the person and say like, well, sir, what are you looking for? How, you know, what can I advise you on? But that's kind of where the co-op comes in. You could start cross-selling to other properties. And if you knew they weren't going to renew, my feeling is I bet people, wait to give notice that they're not renewing until they've already signed their new lease. So that's when you'd have to make a decision. What's your risk threshold to say, let's start advertising some of our sister properties mm -hmm. ahead of you actually <laughs> signing a re your renewal. So Yeah, totally. Well, moving into predictions for this year, uh, do you want to kick us off? Well, I, I spoke a little bit to it already, and maybe this isn't one of my hot take predictions, just uh, more looking at the trends and expecting more of it. Um, so GMB, you know, we did mention this in our recap of aim was kind of the talk of the town, bell of the ball. And uh, I think more and more marketers are seeing it almost as a greater priority than their websites. I don't think that will last. I think that's, you know, we'll see that for a couple of years, maybe um, where it, it gets that type of attention, but yeah, you know, whether it's the posting, um, you know, whether it's the FAQs, whatever they can do. Uh, I forget who it was. I want to say it was one of the panelists, but just saying this is our new front door. It's no longer websites. And so we got to be as smart and strategic, aggressive as we can. And, um, you know, claiming that real estate and being really effective with, with what people are seeing. So I feel like that's going to be one of the biggest priorities in 2022 for marketers. Just local, local listings or Google my business profile. Yeah. I, 
I mean, I don't want to just say SEO in general. So I'll be specific and say GMB, like that GMB profile. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it seems like now it's, um, it feels like it's catching on that it's a prerequisite. Like it's a must do versus like before it was like, Hey, that's nice that you've got that fully filled out. Mm -hmm. And now for, at least for the class A's, it's like, you have to have that filled out or you just look super bare. And so you can imagine that happening for the B's and C's. Well, and I think you've done a great job with our clients and some of our partners just in demonstrating how important the, I'll call it indirect effects are or benefits um, of properly like, you know, uh, developing your GMB profile. And I think that's what's really catching people's attention, at least when we talk to them is, oh, not only is that just important because it is my front door, but I'm also seeing a lot of these kind of secondary benefits like with you know, how many people are in my map pack searching me, how many times they're, they're directly calling me, et cetera. So, um, nice lift, like on the lead side of things as well. The nice thing with GMB, just to add strength to your prediction is that all of these other companies, like the tour scheduling companies and the bot companies have started to integrate there. So now instead of like, ask a question, you could like talk straight to better bot or meet a lease from, from your GMB, which you couldn't before. So if your better bot rep is all of a sudden saying, Hey, make sure you use this on GMB. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, shoot, I'm in there. I might as well update my hours and, mm-hmm. you know, answer those FAQs. And so I just think that it's kind of like this, uh, it's a narrative that's that's traveling through the industry. So I think that's a good one. Yeah. You've said narrative twice now. I'm flattered. Yeah. Well, you said this morning, I was like, look at Reed's vocabulary, <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> oh man. I'm glad you're so easily impressed. Yeah. Well, I, uh, on my run yesterday, I was listening to uh, uh, Michael Crichton's Congo, mm-hmm. Um I read that a long time ago. I know it's fr- it must be from like the eighties. It must yeah. be one of his early ones. Yeah, because they're acting like it's new and it's like it's nineteen eighty. Uh, but it's fun to see the things that those sort of like uh, I said sort of sci fi uh, writers are uh, like that are near sci fi. I don't know what term you call that, but he's like, oh yeah, you. Um, he's sci fi. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's hey, true. Jurassic it's just Park. not like Andromeda Strain. Have you? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're. Um, it's fun to listen to the technology he was thinking of in 1980 mm-hmm. and see how close it is today. Cause they were talking about like remote controlled cameras that connect via satellite and yep. yada, yada. Uh, but in the book they were talking about Lucy, the gorilla and uh, they we were talking about, she's one of the smartest uh, non-humans around. And you can tell that because of the size of her vocabulary. So they were saying that her vocabulary at 693 words shows that she's a, you know, smart sentient type of being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I'm sentient, going with your, your, nice. uh, narrative uh, vocabulary today. excellent yeah. um, 696 words in my oh, vocabulary hot damn. So. <laughs> lucy's good Nothing well for christmas i know i'm going to get you that toilet paper word of the day <laughs> <laughs> ratchet that up uh so i just had uh ai but i thought ai was gonna and obviously this will be near and dear to your heart i think it's gonna uh the way it's gonna take off is more gonna be the written word uh, more than anything. So I think we've started to see NLGs uh, start to come into other industries. And then uh, even in apartments, we started to see that come through from some of the work that we've done, but also other companies are starting to talk about it. But as you and I have talked about, when it comes to NLG, uh, uh, the off-the-shelf NLG algorithms are not made for this industry. And so they can be problematic. I don't think that's going to stop companies from using it because there's some safer areas that you can do that with, such as um, ad copy. So you could do your, uh, you could use GTP3 to run your ad copy through and try different uh, A-B tests, like lots of A-B tests for your for your Google ads. And that's pretty low risk because you could have some pretty easy flags your agency could to look for. So I, uh, as far as like what could be fair housing 
uh, a fair housing problem. So I think we're just going to see AI with NLG take off more in this industry. And then um, I guess the NLP portion too, with, uh, with again, the chat bot. So as much as BetterBot's been talking about guided conversations, I cannot imagine that Robert doesn't keep testing NLG and NLP because, uh, well, then again, it's always good to niche. So they could be the one niche that doesn't so that they don't get mixed up with me to lease. And, you know, you have two clear separations. Well, the classic, that's a classic example of where it's performance and cost, not whether it's AI, meaning NLP or guided mm -hmm. conversations. Mm -hmm. um, you can get really liberal with that term, by the way, uh, with AI, machine learning and whatnot, and mm -hmm. suggest that even the guided conversations are just a more rudimentary version of right. that. But um, yeah, I, I think he will probably continue to test because at some point, you, you it's hard to think that you know, technology won't turn the corner and, and NLP will be the expectation will be superior uh, product to the guided conversations, but that may be a year or two. I'll strike this one off my list. Uh, it probably didn't surprise you that I had it on here too. I completely agree that I think not just because of us, you know, um, we're small fish, all things considered, but um, that, yeah, content is going to, I don't even know if I could say make a comeback because I don't feel like it ever really did uh, sh show to be scalable in this industry, but I think that's coming really soon. And uh, I'm excited for it, not only because of what we're doing, but I think it's just good for the industry. And it could have major implications, I'll say, on ILS's long-term like relevance. Yeah, this, um, I'll lead into my second one with this. Uh, so skip you for a second. But uh, <laughs> um, what's interesting is single family rentals, uh, to me, I, they came out of nowhere. Like I knew that they'd been around, but I didn't know that they were that they were getting as professionalized as what we've witnessed in the last six months. So I just think 22 is going to be huge for single family rentals. How I'm connecting this to the NLG though is, as we've gotten deeper into single family rentals, it's become super obvious to me that they, the folks that are that are renting those units out today, are writing custom descriptions for each single family home. And it makes sense because it's not like you have a building with 200 units. You have this unique home that's in this unique neighborhood. Uh, so they write a unique description about that, but nobody takes the effort to do that when it comes to multifamily. I, it's a, it's like they have more copy for that one single family home than what you see for an, for uh, an entire floor plan on a, on a, uh, on a lease up building. And that sort of blows my mind, but it shows that it, that to your point about uh, content, content is possible. People just don't put in the sweat equity to do it right now for whatever reason. And as single family starts to merge with multifamily, I don't think that all of a sudden multifamily uh, management companies are going to say, never mind, we're not going to write custom descriptions about single family anymore. Instead, as they take over single family units, they're going to have to write those custom descriptions. And they're going to be like, well, why the heck don't we do this for that $100 million high rise we just built? And so then they're going to want to like basically adopt that practice for for their own thing. So my point is uh, content, like you said, has not, has been super sparse one way or another, whether it's through sweat equity by just telling someone you got to do it now or by using something like NLG, uh, it's going to get done. Yeah. I think when you say uh, you're somewhat perplexed that, you know, more movement hasn't happened uh, on the content front, you know, a lot of it is just what's quantifiable, what's not, or I'll say, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is that, you know, in theory, when we talk about, you know, more content being obviously a good thing, well, I think it goes beyond theory, but is it quantifiable enough? Does it, does it show well enough? I'll say when people are going through budgets and, you know, uh, trying to convince owners and operators where to spend their money, 
that they can support that because it's been hard enough for us with SEO, you know, even on what I'd say are more tangible, clear, like KPIs and metrics to follow to show progress. But, you know, uh, doing doing more with content, I think that's going to be one of the biggest impediments. But if we can bring it to the market, not just digital, but, you know, other technologies in an affordable, easy enough uh, manner, you mentioned the integrations being one of the challenges, but if you can get past that, then, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a friendly enough test, I'll say, that uh, we start to see things change. Yeah, I, um, I to also be fair, make the other argument, with single-family homes, you don't have a website dedicated to it. And so you can have one nice looking website and the clientele that's going to move into an apartment is like, oh, I love this part of town um, and I love the amenities here and the brand makes me feel a certain way. And so I'll come in and talk to somebody. When it comes to a single family, you don't just like, you can't just drive by really. I mean, they do have some smart locks and some things you can do to like tour, virtual tour those homes. But for the most part, if you're going to make a 10 minute drive somewhere to go check out a new single family rental you need to be persuaded to invest that time. Hence, you have to have it. So you don't have the website, but you have the listing. So Great point. Yeah. All right. Well, what's uh, what's one for you? Well, somewhat try to dovetail off of that and into self-guided tours. Uh, so I forget which one of us said what about that. Uh, oh, you were talking about whether one would get acquired. I don't know if you're going to go there again. But what I'm going to say is, is that self-guided tours will 10x in 2022. Um Naturally, I need to find a way to get the data point, like the baseline on this, so that uh, hopefully I can toot my horn next year this time. But uh, I think you're just going to see kind of a multiplier hitting right now on the on the speed and pace of this. Uh, from what I've heard from our clients, as well as you know the actual like advancements of the technology itself, I think this all and given you know we're still in quite a unique climate. Uh, I don't know what stage you want to call the pandemic now. Um, but I just, yeah, I think whatever, wherever we're at, it's going to 10x in 2022. So you think it's because of the different, because of the continued variants and things, or just because like the world is different now? The world is different now. I don't think much of this is going to be about the pandemic, but I think it is a lot of new behaviors. Obviously, a lot of changes have occurred as a result of this. And we keep hearing the, you know, it's moved the industry forward 10 years. And I, I think that's right. And this is one of the areas that we saw benefit and helped move the industry forward is, hey, you don't have to have a lease, leasing agent on site. But the faster the technology gets developed and now with more money being poured into it, it's just going to be a better and better product. And it also, as you and I were just talking offline about uh, expensive drugs, like I think you're going to see the price becoming more and more affordable. Um and that's going to allow more operators to test it. And then if they start to see, you know, things prove out, um, why wouldn't they start rolling out aggressively across their portfolios? Yeah. Well, I hope it, I hope you're right. Cause, uh, what I wouldn't like to see is the industry to make, to move forward in like three or four steps through the pandemic. And then, you know, just sort of like rest on their laurels. Sit idle. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's really the hard thing I'd say for the real estate space right now is that real estate is, um, as many know, we're in a housing crisis and there's just a lack of availability of, of inventory. And because of that, then uh, real estate developers don't have to be as innovative um, as they could be. And so it's kind of getting into some of the conversations we've had with some of our contacts before, but where it's like, is it, um, does it do any good for anybody to try to like lead the pack and be a breakout right now? Cause it's like, you're already making a ton of money. There's a lot of different rent control and eviction moratoriums that stop you from making too much more money. So uh, what incentive do you have to really push the envelope and try to, 
you know, add 25% to your um, lifetime value for a customer, particularly also with the turnover. Since the, since properties are being sold for so much now, they don't, um, a lot of the money is being made during the sale and not during the management of it. And so uh, anyways, I, I'm glad we're moving forward. I hope we don't take, don't stall out. Uh, but as long as there's this inventory problem, I think it allows this industry to still remain kind of lazy uh, in that respect. So, yeah. Well, the only other real, I guess, solid one that I had was around the ILSs. I think we're going to continue to see them move into other products. I think, um, I don't think they're going to try to go the way of the yellow pages where, you know, they just kind of like don't take swings until it's too late. I think the ILSs have proven that they're as dominant as they are. They still try to find other revenue streams. I mean, CoStar is great because they've got the data stream, but they've also got the advertising stream. Uh, and now they're, um, well, they're, they're trying to add on products with like um, where you can buy more um, like photography or videos or Matterport tours or whatever. There's there's always ways besides just upping the rate that they're charging people, they're still trying to add on other products. And I think that's going to continue. I think you might see some of them go even more the agency route, just like how since RealPage has been leading the charge with G5 and Lease Labs acquisitions, I could see an ILS starting to move that direction too, where they say, you know what, let's... Why, why the heck does RealPage or the, these other PMS systems have to be um, be the ones that own the website, for example? Why don't we give you a free website if you buy our listing? And that, I think I mentioned that during uh, if we built an ILS episode that I would say I'd try to build a website, be truly be their front, the front door of the internet to a property. But that playbook's been proven by the PMS system. So why not? <laughs> I mean, if you're apartments.com and you gave someone a free website with the listing, no matter what your rate is, goes up next year, it's going to be hard for someone to say, let me cancel that listing <laughs> next year because I'm going to lose my website. That just makes your client that much stickier. So Yeah, I think the only thing that would pre- potentially prevent them from uh, from doing what you're saying, and it, there's, there's already some that are. So, um, And I, I somewhat had a similar prediction last year. Uh, is how expensive it is to build out effectively two two companies because that's what they're in store for. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I know, coming from our backgrounds in media, that that's what was such, that was a big part of the problem. Is at first they were excited because they saw this top line revenue with digital versus traditional media, whether it's TV, newspaper, or radio. But then they were like, wait a second. In order to hire that person, it's going to cost me what? Mm-hmm. And then I have to figure out how to operationalize all this. Um, not to mention, like you know, the training, etc. And you create basically two companies. And oh, by the way, this digital revenue over here isn't going to get you anywhere near the margin that you've been used to over here. And mm-hmm. how are your investors, your stakeholders, your operators going to respond to that? It's a huge, I, I still think it's the right move, but, you know, as I used to say back in media, that isn't the answer and it's not the answer for the ILSs. They actually need to be innovating in different capacities. And you alluded to some of that, but I'd hope for their own sake that they don't just chase the digital carrot, you know, mm-hmm. meaning we're going to do paid search, we're going to do paid social and actually look at um, different products that uh, may be adjacent, but not, you know, just straight up reselling. Yeah, I'm. I think they should do both. Um, I think in, uh, if you offer paid search and paid social, you can start to cannibalize your own network revenue. If you do a website, everyone's going to have a website, so at least you're not directly competing with like, oh, I'll just move my whatever co-star package from here to paid search or whatever. So it's this like additive line. But on top of that, 
that makes them sticky, they should then be looking at other things such as like, what if an ILS became the virtual tour thing of choice or, or whatever. I mean, the thing is they're not really set up to be innovative, like to be these disrupting innovative things. So they have, they can't be like super cool. <laughs> they have to just sort of take from the other things that have momentum, like a chat bot or, uh, or a virtual tour or something. Um, and to that point, this is kind of, I'll, I'll wrap up my ones here. I think if I was, if I was one of these companies that had raised a bunch of venture capital, like an apartment list that ne I would be targeting 22 as my year to, to go public. Cause if you've already raised, I think, I think apartment list had, had raised just under $200 million. Last I looked, if you've raised that much money, you know, you're going public at some point, you're not, you're not going to get acquired right. by no matter who it is. Right. And right now the markets are, are ho hotter than they've ever been, particularly for tech startups. Now there's been some really good ones. And then there's been some, you know, lackluster ones as they've gone public, but they've still gone public. I mean, um, I don't know. You probably didn't see this news, but Casper went public, and they are uh, and they got hammered because Casper mattress hasn't been profitable. And there are other companies that haven't been profitable, like Peloton or whatever, that like went public and did did fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They've taken a bit of a hit recently, but with Casper mattress, they they got hit so bad that they're actually now being acquired. So they're they're going from public to going back to private because someone's buying them over. In fact, some of the big box retailers like. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was Target or Walmart had actually tried to buy them before because they thought like great brand, but with our supply chain, we could just crush right. crush this and do well. They didn't go that route. Someone else is buying them. But my point is if I'm an ILS, now's the time. I don't wait for the market to crash and then try to go public. It's like you do it now when you can get the highest valuation. If you don't, that means you got to wait four or five years for the markets to go through a crash and start to rebound to go public again. So I just think you're going to see a lot of these venture capital companies and, and, uh, real estate tech look angle to go public or, or frankly get acquired this year. Cause if you, if you don't go public, doesn't mean you can't get acquired by someone else that's public and is getting the benefits of the high markets. So. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on all that. So you didn't say specifically how many ILSs you think, or if you're going in and saying, are you saying that an ILS is going to go public in 2022 that everybody here would know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because as far as I know, I know of three ILSs that have raised money. There's Apartment List, Zumper, and uh, Rentable, right? I don't know about, uh, like, Dwellsy, he said he raised, Dwellsy, he, he, raised. he raised some money, but it was like, it seems like it's like angel money or something. It's not like... No, no, I think it was okay. legit. Like, I think he was in a, at least on an A. Yeah. A round. Well, it's still, I, I would feel way too early is what it, for like a Dwellsy, probably still too early for a Rentable. So then that leaves like... Yeah, Zumper or uh, apartment list as far as who who seems like they'd be set up ripe to do it. And then, yeah, so it just seems like 22 is the year. I don't think you can, I, if I was them, I wouldn't be betting like for 23. Yeah. Tough timing though, given what happened with Facebook, with Marketplace. Mm -hmm. So my, yeah. my prediction and another one that I can't prove, so I'm setting myself up well next year <laughs> <laughs> to have this conversation, but is that uh, the ILSs are going to lose half their advertisers. Um, wow. That would be cool. I mean, <laughs> cool that you took such a big swing. <laughs> I don't see it happening, but yeah, go ahead and make yeah. your case. Well, um, I, I already walking this back now, like, is there a better way to put this? But I want to say proportionally, you know, that they're, they're going to take a 50% hit, uh, because with all the continued, you know, new, new development, new construction, that's always going to kind of buoy or cloud that picture. Um, but the reason I say this is because of the amount of traffic, I think we all know, um, 
they had been relying on with, with Facebook marketplace. And so inevitably, like there's already a lot of people trying to find ways or excuses, I'll say to get off the ILS crack, uh, pardon, you know, <laughs> and, but now if half their leads or more are, are no longer there, then good luck getting those renewals and, and adding, um, more sponsorships. So I think it's just going to be that much more incumbent on ILS is to reimagine things, reinvent, look at different products, um, perhaps get more aggressive on the, the digital services front, whatever that may be. Um, because their kind of standard model, um, just took a massive hit and I don't know how it won't have major implications for them next year. And they're not going to be able in my book to reinvent themselves and hustle enough to offset, you know, what's coming. And so back half of the year could be bad news for the ILSs. Right. Except for those contracts that are, are based on calendar, in which case 23 is when that would happen. Right. Because marketplace kind of went into effect in September, which you can kind of explain right now, if you're re-upping your contract, like, well, it's just the last couple months. So what, like, the consumer or the customer, the marketing manager may not know that Marketplace was driving all these leads. Therefore, you know, habit, I'll go ahead and re-sign my ILS contract for all of 22. In 22, there's the bloodbath. And so 23 renewals are where you could really... Yeah, I think the majority, though, are actually not on calendar. And, um, you know, when you look at the top NH, NMHC top 2550 or whatever, probably almost all, all of them are on calendar. Mm. But for the the ones downstream, and we mm-hmm. both know now, like overwhelmingly, when you look at the multifamily pie, it is not the NMHC top 2050. It's not the 80-20 rule. It's the mm-hmm. opposite. Um, and so I think for them, it's the building. You know, mm-hmm. when we have a building, then we sign a contract. You know, if you only have eight to 15 properties, I don't know that they're waiting until the end of the year to negotiate. I think it's just like, okay, well... Here's the here's the properties we have. In which case, you get my argument is that that could still happen. This huge exodus, you know, mm-hmm. um, if the performance doesn't keep up. So that's what I'm. Yeah, that's the big. I guess the bull prediction is yeah. that performance is going to take an enormous hit, and that's going to have major consequences. Cool. Well, it's a good one. I think you could you could confirm that with uh, at least with CoStar. Um, with yeah. their uh, with the public data, so that'd be really interesting for us to look in. Also, I'm curious how their um, what their renewal strategy this year was. Like, did CoStar raise rates again? Because they uh, did. Did they? Somebody just told me that, and I wish I I could. Gosh, who was it? I feel like it was somebody we talked to at uh, Optech. Anyways, it's uh, amazing they raise rates every yeah. every year. Yeah it 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 was very. There was a few expletives, I believe, in that conversation that I had, <laughs> you know, just how wrong and unfair it was and that eventually someday, you know, it would it would come back to bite them. Mm. See if that's the case or not, you know. Well, one thing we didn't predict last year, I didn't see it coming and I was saddened when it happened, was the Entrada raise. Like raising, you know, over a half billion dollars. That I just didn't see that happening. And then from everything you and I could tell uh, when we did our episode on it, it seems like a lot of that money, some of it sure, certainly was to get distributed, but a lot of it seems like it's set up for acquisition. So um, in fact, you got to wonder if Entrada would be one of those to go public next year. Cause it, when once you, once you raise money from those, from the VCs, like they did, those guys are expecting to get money. Sure. And a lot of times when you raise that much money, they're expecting, they're basically giving you an accelerant to say, I want this back in 12 to 24 months because those venture capitalists have, have like their own term with their LPs. So it's usually at the end of their fund that they're investing in that when they have all this leftover cash, they're like, I need to try to get, get my total return up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So 
I'll go out on a limb and say either the end of 22 or the beginning of 23 is when you would see Entrada go public. Wow, that is a good one. That just struck me. But uh, with them, you could see them as a major disruptor this year because that's where I was going to go if you didn't have other predictions. Was what, other, what do you think the, ma- the biggest disruptor in 22 will be? And so I'll just say, like to me, it seems like some sort of Entrada uh, deployment of capital would be uh, the biggest disruption. I feel like it's got they've either got to buy somebody, I guess they've got to buy some somebody at that point, or even going public isn't a big disruptor. It's just big news. So they got to buy somebody. I think that's a good one, though. I I'd agree with you on. I don't want to call it the obvious choice, but you know they have the money now uh, to to be disrupting. Uh, my dark horse will be Dwellsy. Um, yeah, we had a, a great podcast with Jonas and I think he's got the chops, you know, it seems like, you know, the network, the vision to pull this off. You know, he's obviously got more listings now than any other, uh, ILS. Uh, and so, you know, he's going the traffic route first, which I think is smart, proven to be super successful and we'll see if he can pull it off here. But if he can, you know, that could end up, uh, kind of flipping the script a little bit on the, the traditional ILS model. Cool. Well, do you have anything else? I don't. I managed not to clear my throat on this <laughs> entire podcast. I'm proud of myself, yeah. but we better end it soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, job well done. We'll see which of these come true. I feel like we made less this time than last time. But as I was saying to you off air before we started, uh, it's when you go back and read the last two years of predictions that we did, it's almost sad to see how like stuff we were talking about, uh, I guess in 19, still hasn't quite hit yet and so in some ways it's like man this feels like molasses but you made the point that um you know when you're talking about macro trends they don't just hit all at once they even like with like uh, the the cookie update from google or you know apple or privacy update you know these things don't hit all at once you it almost feels like if you're immersed in it you can see it coming and so then it seems less like predictive it almost seems like you're cheating at that point that's so. why and this is where we just don't have the data is available as we'd like but what's the what's the multiplier you know within these kind of bigger trends that we do keep talking about year after year that's why i said with the self-guided tours is like look for a 10x you know Mm -hmm. um because you know that that's not going away you know we'll probably be talking about that for a couple of years you know it's just a matter of like who's still you know in the space you know what are they doing to change this you know the conversation all that stuff but at the end of the day like how much has the industry, you know, adopted it versus the prior year? Like mm-hmm. How much more adoption exists? Mm-hmm. That's that's what uh, I'll be curious to see. Cool. Well, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we'll have a, another couple episodes coming out in the next couple of weeks. We got you covered through the holidays. I know Erica has been on top of scheduling for us. So thank goodness. Uh, and she was like, David, you need to cool it on the podcast because we've got enough through the end of the year. So um, if you guys are bored on the holidays, there's plenty coming. All right. All right.